Romans chapter number 14. Just in case anybody was curious from last week and you didn't take an opportunity to look it up, when I asked the question, how long have we been in Romans? A while. It's actually been a little more, it's kind of embarrassing, I guess, in a way. Yeah. It was, it was actually been a little over five years that we've been in Romans. Um, I have now made my way through, as I've, as I've been, been studying you know, Romans, this thing's not wanting to cooperate with me. Um, I've made my way through a set of commentaries that, I've, that I treasure. I've, I've been partially through them in the past as we've gone through the book of Romans on a Wednesday night study in a much faster pace than what we've been going through on Sunday. But, but um, Martin Lloyd-Jones was preaching through the book of Romans on Friday nights uh, to the congregation um, you know, there uh, where he pastored. And it ended up being that he didn't complete the study before he retired. Um, so I've now, it's like I've lost a friend, you know, because he's been a companion as, as I've been going through the study of the book of Romans. And um, I just finished the last commentary, you know, in the set. Uh, just closed it actually this morning and put it back on the shelf. Um, and I feel kind of that way. You, you get a sense of what I'm talking about as I'm trying to describe it to you. But I feel kind of that way when we finish a book, too. When we finish a book of the Bible, I feel that way. When the Gospel of John, when we finished the Gospel of John, it felt like I didn't, I didn't want to leave that place. Um, it was such an incredible uh, blessing, you know, and I hope that this study has been um, that way unto you as well. But, but let's, um, let's read Romans chapter number 14. Let me get things situated here. And um, verse number 17 through verse number 19 For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. There are some things we ought to be pursuing. Righteousness, peace, joy. Not pursuing just in ourselves, but pursuing in one another. Um, pursuing these things, encouraging one another, you know, in these things. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we think this morning upon this, um, this third aspect of the kingdom of God, which is joy. Father, as we bow, as we come before you, we just ask for your grace, we ask for your mercy, we ask for your spirit to come and to speak, Father, unto each and every one of us. Um, Father, teach us, instruct us, guide us, and lead us. Help us to understand and to know. Um, I think about Paul saying that I may know the love of of Christ that passes knowledge. Uh, How are we going to know that which is unknowable? How are we going to know that which passes knowledge. How are we going to understand these things except you open our hearts and minds that we may receive them and receive them in such a way, Father, that we might do them, that we might please you and honor you and glorify you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So we've been speaking upon the kingdom of God, not being meat and drink. We don't want to, we don't want to lose 
the, our perspective, um, the things that we've been speaking about have been upon the lines of um, that you don't want to ruin or destroy your brother for meat or for drink uh, or for something that you feel like you have liberty to be able to do that they do not have liberty to be able to do. And Paul took it so seriously that he would not eat meat you know, in the presence of those who could not eat meat themselves at the very least. Um, he may have ate meat at his own home, but he did not eat meat in their presence because he would not injure. He would not cause to stumble a brother or sister who had an issue, you know, with, with such a thing. Um, and, you know, we talked about it from the standpoint of meat. We talked about it from the standpoint of drink, like we see in the text. Days, we talked about it from the standpoint of days. Uh, one man regards one day above another. Another man regards every day the same. Um, you can imagine some of the Jews, you know, that were there, you know, in the midst of the Roman Christians, and there were feast days that they greatly treasured. There were, there were things that meant, um, you know, their eyes were open to those things. It wasn't just a feast day. It wasn't just something they did. It wasn't just tradition. It wasn't anything like that. It was something that, 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 that pointed towards the Messiah to come. Uh, and there were days that, that, that meant something to them, and they may have continued, you know, to, to, you know, celebrate those days as a special, you know, day unto them. Uh, so different things, you know, we talked about it from the standpoint of things that may be more current, you know, in our days, uh, our day rather, you know, homeschooling perhaps or public school, you know, some, you know, they bring their children up, they teach them at home, you know, and, and they, they teach them their schoolwork at home. Uh, they don't just bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord at home, uh, which both parents that were Christians would do, public school or homeschool, you know, but, but here they, 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 have, they, have, they feel like themselves, their conscience, they feel like this is what we need to be doing. Whereas on the other you know, side of the spectrum, you've got those who send their children to public school, and they're convinced in their conscience this is what we need to be doing. And we don't need to start from a position of being judgmental and say, well, you know, you don't love your kids because you do that, or you don't love your kids because you do that, um, or, you know, you're, 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 you're keeping your kids from this or that because, you know, one of the biggest things with homeschooling that we faced, because it's what we've done, what we chose to do. Um, you know, Teresa and I both, I think, you know, long before we had kids, we, we were having trouble thinking about them going um, you know, to public school because of the things that we saw when we were there. Um, you know, and we wanted, we wanted to, to do, this is what the Lord convicted us to do. But the thing that would be thrown in our face all the time was, your kids are unsocialized. And Rebecca's favorite shirt to wear in public was caution, unsocialized homeschooler. <laughs> so, but, you know, you understand what I'm saying because there are those that feel strongly about their children going to public school. And there are those that feel strongly about their kids being homeschooled. And we've, we've, got, we've got to be of the same mind and the same heart. The Bible doesn't say, send your kids to public school. Send your kids, you know, keep your kids at home and, and, and do homeschool. And it doesn't say that. Uh, there are those that I know that would, take, that would take anybody to task that didn't do one thing or the other. You know, because they feel so strongly about it. But I don't want you to lose sight of what we've been looking at because these issues are going to come up in our midst. There's going to be things that one person feels strongly about that the other person doesn't feel as strongly about, and we have to love one another in those things. 
Um, here, the strong, if you're in the position of the strong, what are you to do? You're to receive the weak. That's what we've looked at. You receive the weak. Uh, doesn't mean that we can't have a conversation about these things. It doesn't need to be an argument about these things. We have a conversation about them, you know, but if it's not something that is essential in the Word of God, that is plain in the Word of God, that states, thou shalt or thou shalt not, be careful. Be careful in your dealings with one another. Be careful how you think about one another. Don't, go, don't start from the premise that, that they're, not, they're, they're not doing something they should or shouldn't do. Start from this premise. Here's the premise that we ought to start from. Are they doing what they do to the glory of God? Are they seeking to do what they're doing, whether I, you know, is the thing that I would do, are they doing what, they would, what they're doing to the glory of God? You know, so we've got to be careful, you know, in that regard. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Here's what it is. It is righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy in the Holy Ghost. So we've been speaking upon those things, a righteousness, we said, that must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. You know, their righteousness being that which we termed last week as self-righteousness, right? That was their righteousness. The Lord spoke of them and said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, is what the Lord said about the Pharisees. They were concerned with external observances, but the Lord shows that it goes much deeper than that. Right, Cohen? It goes much deeper than the external, doesn't it? You know, you, 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 you covet something, you know, that's internal. You know, yeah, I haven't gone and taken it, you know, I, I may want to have something like that, and, and Cohen may have one of those, but maybe I didn't steal it. I didn't, I didn't go there at night while he's asleep and take it and paint it a different color and say, no, that, this is, I've, I've had this a long time. This isn't yours when you come around looking for it. You know. But when my heart, if I'm coveting that, the Lord, the Lord made it a point to help them to understand. You look upon a woman lust after her, you've committed adultery already in your heart. Um, it goes much deeper than the external. So it's a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. A righteousness that exceeds morality. A righteousness that exceeds a shell, you know, an external thing, um, outside your, you know, whitewashed sepulcher, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. Um, so it exceeds, you know, that. It's the righteousness of Christ that alone will justify us in the sight of God and we made it a point to say last week that this righteousness that has been imputed unto us is the very thing that brings us the next thing listed, right? What's the next thing listed? Peace. If it were not for this righteousness, how could we have peace? We could not have peace. Apart from Christ's righteousness, we would still be at enmity with God. We could not have peace. And if we did not have that peace, then we couldn't have the next thing either. We couldn't have joy. We couldn't rejoice in these things. We wouldn't rejoice in these things. You know, here the Pharisees were with their righteousness, 613, you know, identified things, and then lots of other laws they came up with to clarify those things um, that they outwardly observed. Yet the Lord says, you neglect mercy and you neglect judgment is what he told them. They were at odds with the Lord for doing good on the Sabbath day. 
He said unto them, What man is there among you, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 11, What man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, he will not take hold of it and lift it out? So then, it is lawful to do what on the Sabbath? Good. It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And it was restored to normal like the other. Love. They were greatly missing that. Love is the big thing. The kingdom of God is not made up of carefully defined rules, regulations. It's grounded in love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. Love is the big thing. You know, I was told you I was listening to a message, the short trip that I had from the house here this morning. And the pastor was talking about the fact that if we truly loved one another, there's things that we wouldn't need. He's talking about everybody. You know, we know that's not a reality. It's not going to be a reality. But the whole world, you know, if everyone loved as they ought, there are things that have been invented that would no longer be necessary, right? I stuck a key into that truck this morning and turned it. The key wouldn't be necessary. The lock wouldn't be necessary. Jails wouldn't be necessary. We could go all down the line. I I wouldn't take something from Cohen if I truly loved him, you know? Uh, That wouldn't be, you know, I I, I wouldn't do things, you know, like that. Um, I wouldn't have to lock my door. You wouldn't have to lock your door. I know there was a time around these parts anyway, where people didn't lock their doors. Um, But it wasn't because, you know, there weren't people that would steal stuff because that still happened. It just didn't happen, you know, as often as it would today, you know. Um, But love is the big thing. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength. They drew near to the Lord or to God with their mouth, but their what heart was far from him. They kept all these rules and regulations, but their heart was far from him. So the kingdom of God is about righteousness. It is about peace. It is about joy. These are the things that are wrapped up in in Christ and in love towards God um, with all the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, How are we going to treat our neighbor? Well, if we love our neighbor, we're going to treat him right. We're going to treat him well. We're going to do good, you know, unto him. Um, so here, as we, as we think about these things, does my speech please the Lord? Do my thoughts please the Lord? Do my desires plead the, please the Lord? Am I doing all that I do to the glory of God? Why do I do what I do? What's, what's the source you know, of, of the, the, what's the cause? You know, what's the first cause? I went through this with Anna and Lydia this week at, at the island in the kitchen. What's the first cause? His love shed abroad in our hearts, right? You know, what's the first cause? God's the first cause, isn't he? He's the reason why we're concerned about righteousness, why we love peace, why we rejoice. He's, he's the reason why. And, and what I'm driving at is here, you know, righteousness, peace, and joy, what? In the Holy Ghost. Why do we have righteousness? 
that has given, given unto us an assurance in our hearts before the Lord that we are his and that his grace is sufficient and that the blood of Christ is sufficient, you know, why is that a reality to us? Why, why are we rooted and grounded in that? Why does that matter so much to us? Because he's quickened that unto us. By his spirit, he's quickened that unto us. The righteousness of God wouldn't mean anything. Brother JT told us this morning, you read and read and read this thing. It's not really going to make any difference to you. Except the Lord open your heart. Except the Lord open your eyes. Except the Lord open your understanding. This is not going to mean anything to you. It's just words on a page. But as we sing the hymn, Beyond the Sacred Page, I Seek Thee, Lord. Why? It's because of the Holy Ghost. That's why. It's because of the Spirit of God that indwells us. That's why. Where, where is this source of joy? Where does it come from? Where does this source of peace come from? Where is this, this satisfaction that we have in the righteousness of God that we know that we are justified in His sight? Where does that come from? How has how that stirred up within you? What, what fans that flame? It's the Spirit of God that does that. Why do we do what we do? Why do we think the way we think uh, about these things? Do you think about the parable, parable of the sower? They sprang up for a little while, right? And then they fell away. Remember, JT was talking to us about tribulation. He was talking to us about trouble, persecution. You know, why does God allow these things you know, to happen, the world says? And their response is to get angry with God and to shake their fist in his face and... Well, how does that even make sense? I mean, this is this. If you're you're confessing that God is sovereign, why would you shake your fist in His face? Why don't you bow down upon your knees and cry out and ask for mercy? You know, why? Why do they not do so? They're dead. They're blinded. You I mean, think of all the ways the Scripture describes it. They're dead in trespasses and sins. They're blinded by the God of this world. You know, why do you believe? Why do you, why do you have faith? Why do you, when those things happen that Brother JT was talking about this morning, why do you, like Job, when something comes into your life, bow down and worship and say, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, why is it that you do that? It's because you have life in Christ. You know, where has that been born from? It's been born from above. You know, how, how has that been made real in our life? It's the Spirit of God that indwells us. Uh, how is it that we're going to last? How are you going to make it from here to there? Well, Sister Joyce, how are you going to make it the rest of the way? You know, Anna, how are you going to make it the rest of the way? Cohen, how are you going to make it the rest of the way? You know, I, I put it in that perspective because Sister Joyce is the eldest among us. Cohen, Anna, some of the youngest among us. How about all of us in between? How are we going to make it, Andrew? How are we going to make it to the end? How are we going to persevere? How are we going to make it to that place that we long for, that we yearn for? Why do we long for it? Why do we yearn for it? Why do we call him Father? You know, it's the Spirit's been set forth into our hearts and forth in our hearts. We cry out, Abba, Father, right? Father, Father. It's the answer given to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4. 
Then he answered and said, spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? What? By my spirit. By my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, Sister Shelby's not here, but she asked me not too long ago, and she, I don't think she'd care that I, that I say this. <clears throat> but she says, is it right to pray to the Holy Ghost? You ever thought that? You ever thought about such things? Is it right to pray to the Holy Ghost? Hmm? Is it wrong? Let's put it this way. Is it wrong to pray to the Holy Ghost? No. No. no it's right. Who, who is he? He's God. Co-equal. Co-eternal. You praise one, you're praising all. You praise the Son, you praise the Father. You praise the Spirit, you praise the Father. Right? We don't take away from, don't diminish in any way, but we, we see the work of the Spirit. What am I told? Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. Is it right for me to, to ask the Spirit to help me to walk in Him? Father, help me to walk in your spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I know we shy away a little bit from that because of what the charismatic movement has done with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, you ever heard this hymn before? The Comforter has come. Yeah? Yeah? Well, sometimes we shy, it's not found in some of our hymn books. We shy away from that, you know, because, you know, well, that might get a little too charismatic, you know. The Comforter has come. The Comforter has come. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. How am I going to pursue righteousness? How am I going to pursue peace? How am I going to pursue joy? What does it say here? It's in the Holy Ghost, right? Father, fill me with your spirit. Till all shall see, right? We sing about that, don't we? Christ only, always living, you know, in me, right? So, no, it's not wrong to pray. I, I, I hear, I can hear Brother Johnny Carter in my mind right now. And how many times we've, for, I don't know how many years Brother Johnny's been coming here. Aunt Nita, what, what, what year do you think you can remember back to? 19 what? Well, that would have been the 80s, you know, maybe even before that, I don't know. Um, but I, I can hear him right now. We'd be sitting back there, and we're fellowshipping around the table after the, the preaching, you know, is, is finished. And, or maybe on Sunday morning as we're eating breakfast before the preaching begins, and somebody asked him a question. And Brother JT's already mentioned this morning how that getting older, one of the difficulties is remembering where a verse of Scripture is found. And I can hear Brother Johnny back there as somebody's asking him a question. And that comes to his mind what he's trying to remember and what's the next words that come out of his mouth. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Is that wrong? Doesn't the Scripture tell us that, that the Spirit would bring these things to our remembrance? 
Didn't the Lord say that, that, that these things that I have taught you, he's going, to, he's going to bring these things out. He's going to remind you of these things. He's going to show you these things. He's going to teach you these things. So we understand when Paul is saying here about this righteousness, this peace, this joy, that it's in the Holy Ghost. I mean, we understand that's why these things are alive within us. That's why we rejoice in the righteousness of Christ. We rejoice in the peace that we have with God, a peace that passes understanding. The world can't understand it. The world can't receive it. The world doesn't know it. Romans 5, Brother J.T. mentioned already, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes and makes that a reality, makes that known unto us by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope. Rejoice. Where does this rejoicing come from? This hope comes. It's springing up from within. And the Spirit of God is, is causing that to be stirred and bringing things to our remembrance and helping us to be able to rejoice. How about whenever you get some terrible news and the Lord brings some promise to your mind, some scripture to your mind, that you can do the very thing that we read right here in Romans 5, 2, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We shall yet see the glory of God in this. God will yet glorify himself in this situation. God has not abandoned me. God has not left me unto myself. He's not going to forsake me. He's not going to leave me. He has a purpose in these things. He's doing what is right, what is good, what is best, there will be a day that I'll be able to see that and I'll be able to confess, Lord, it couldn't have been done any other way. It couldn't have been done any better way. So this is the reality that Paul's presenting unto us. It is a righteousness, a peace, and a joy that is produced within by the Spirit of God who abides in every believer. If we have not the Spirit of Christ, right, we are none of His, none of His. But read with me in John, in John 16. Go to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, as we've, we've kind of laid some foundation, some groundwork here. Let's, let's read it from Scripture for ourselves. John 16 and verse number 4. The disciples are going to be sad because the Lord is saying that he's going away. Can you imagine? Here's, here's John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And these disciples leave John and they follow the Lord. And the Lord says, I'm going away. And where I'm going, you can't follow now. You'll follow hereafter, but you can't follow now. John 16 verse 4 says, But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. What would keep us from being thrown into such depths of despair and darkness that, that we would go away and follow him no more. What kept Peter, after he denied the Lord three times, from going out and hanging himself like Judas did? When you recover, Peter, I've prayed for you, Peter, when you recover, strengthen the brethren. Where's that strength come from? Hmm? comes from within. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Spirit of God abiding within us. 
We are not alone. We're not alone, sister. The Lord's with us always. Speaks to us always. He's speaking to us. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you, but now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you asketh me whither goest thou, but because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. I don't want you to miss that. It is expedient for you that I go away. You think the disciples were on the same page at that point with that statement? How can you say that, Lord? How can you say that it's expedient that you go away? Do you not know how much we love you? Do you not know how much we care for you? Do you know that we've given up all to follow after you? If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. How important is the Comforter? So much that the Lord went to the cross and died upon that cross and went unto the Father and sent the Comforter unto us. How much do we need the Comforter? It's expedient, the Lord says. It's necessary. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. But look at verse number 12. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, how's he going to say these things unto them? These many things that he has yet to say that they cannot bear right now, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for them to give them to them now because they couldn't bear them, right? But what does he say? Howbeit when he, that is verse number 13, when he, the Spirit of truth, different names the Spirit of God has, right? Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, Spirit of truth here. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. How do you know what you know? Hmm? He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Another place in Scripture, we're told, hereby we know the difference between what? The spirit of truth and the spirit of what? Error. Why? Well, the spirit of error is not going to speak and glorify Christ. He shall glorify me, the spirit of truth, that is, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So what truth we know, what truth we hold dear, we know because of why? Because of the Spirit. The Spirit has showed these things. The Spirit of God has showed these things unto us. Why have we grown in grace, increased in faith? It's because of the Spirit. The disciples would be sorrowful that the Lord would go away, but the gift of the Spirit would turn 
as we read further in John 16, would turn their sorrow to what? Joy. It is the thing we're talking about today, isn't it? Joy. John 16, 17 says, Then said some of the disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. And because I go to the Father. Now, you're, you're looking at these things from the other side of the cross. And we look at that and we're like, wow, you know, I, I understand what, what somewhat, I, I understand what JT was saying this morning too. I mean, we go back and read some of these things and the Lord opens more to us. And he opens more to us and more to us and more to us. And we understand here a little and there a little, you know, line upon line and precept upon precept, right? So here he says, a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while and you shall see me because I go to the Father. Verse 18, then they said, therefore, what is, what is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. How could we? How could we tell anything that he says? How could we tell anything in God's word? How could we understand anything from these pages? Apart from this truth that we're reading about right here. Apart from the spirit of God. John 16, 19 says, Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Right? The Lord had departed. These things became clear unto them. They understood more and more. They looked back after the cross and understood things that the Lord had said to them before that they didn't completely understand. And now they knew. You know, they were still kind of in the mindset, weren't they, of what the whole nation of Israel thought that the Lord would come, the Messiah would come, and he would kick out the Romans and that, that, that Israel would rule over the whole earth. They didn't see the reality of these things, the Lord is now speaking unto them. But the Spirit would give them understanding. The Spirit of truth would give them understanding and show these things. Unto, he said, they, he, they, he will take of mine, the Spirit of God will take of mine and shall show it unto you. So the Holy Spirit has come as the result of our having this Righteousness. We know this righteousness is a result of him coming. He's brought about this peace, and he's produced this joy in these things, this sorrow the disciples would have being turned to joy. He's produced this joy even within us. Romans 8 talks about life in the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Why do you know that? Why do you believe that? Why do you understand that? Why is that something that means something to you? Why is that a reality in your life? That you can say beyond a shadow of doubt, that you can declare, I am in Christ, and being in Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after what? The Spirit. There he is again, walking after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Spirit's leading. The Spirit's guiding. The Spirit's teaching. The Spirit giving us understanding. The Spirit comforting us. We don't, we don't miss that, do, do we? He is the comforter. The comforter has indeed come. The comforter has, abides with us, comforts us. Um, th- that we know that God is a God of comfort. He's the God of all comfort. And he has sent unto us the comforter. For they that are of the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, right? But they that are of the Spirit. Are you of the Spirit? They that are of the Spirit do mind the things of what? The Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, where does that spiritual mindness come from? Where does that mind of Christ come from? It's the Spirit of God that has regenerated us, that has, that has caused us to be born again, to be born anew, to be born from above. Ephesians 1.17 says, Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of him. Isn't that sound just like what John 16 was saying, what the Lord was saying? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints are, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. What kind of power is this? The kind of power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the kind of power that's in operation in your life and in my life as believers, and it's being exerted by the Spirit, you know, within us. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and in every name that is named, not only in this world but also in the world to come. We're led by the Spirit of God. As his children, we are led by his Spirit. I think about that pillar of fire at night. And the cloud by day, and they followed that fire, and they followed that cloud. And we walk in the Spirit. They moved. Exactly. And so here we are. Are you ever moved? Why are you moved? It's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moving. I'm talking about towards the things of God. We can be moved by other things, can't we? Yeah. We're talking about these things. How about this? We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, sound mind, right? Where do those things come from? How how are those things stirred and produced and, and made alive within to where we can grab a hold of those things and believe upon those things, lean upon those things, learn of those things, hope in those things, Yes, it is by God's Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
power from on high. Yeah. Yes. And they heard that sound of a rushing mighty wind on the day of Pentecost. And they spoke. Right? And all of those who were of, they were Jews from different places, but they said, we're hearing this man speak in the tongue of the nation that we've been taken away to, you know, that we were born in, that we were raised in. He's not just speaking Hebrew here. He's speaking these other languages, and we understand. Kind of the opposite, isn't it, of the Tower of Babel? Right? I mean, you think about the Tower of Babel, all those people understood the same language. Right? And then all of a sudden, somebody's speaking to you that, that you've been working with, you're trying to build this tower up to God, right? And you can't understand a word he's saying. You know, maybe you thought he was playing a joke on you at first, but then people began to realize this is widespread. God's brought judgment down upon us, you know. We've not been given a spirit of fear. I mean, if we didn't have the spirit abiding within us, wouldn't that be our position? I mean, we get afraid, don't we? We get afraid at times. Where are we going to go that we not be afraid? Where are we going to go to ask the fear be removed? What about when we doubt? What about when there's unbelief? You know, where are we going to go to have those things? Lord, help me. Where's that help going to come from? It's going to come from above, certainly. Uh, but the Spirit of God abiding within, Absolutely. He is the Spirit of truth called the Comforter, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit, think about this, the Spirit has applied. I've said all these things, but let me just try to say it succinctly, okay? The Spirit has applied the work of the cross. The Spirit has applied the work of the cross in our hearts and lives assuring us of the righteousness of Christ, granting unto us peace, causing our joy to be full. Now, we get happy about some things, rejoice in some things, you know, um, of the world, but they're not lasting. This is lasting. This is everlasting. I've told you all before about the Frisbee I got in, in Sunday school when I was a kid, right? First Baptist Church, Pasadena, I believe, is where we were. Going to Sunday school, they had some kind of contest, and I won this Frisbee. And you know what was on it? Anybody remember? I've told you before. Okay. It said this, Cohen, it's fun being a Christian. You agree with that statement? Yeah. It's not always fun being a Christian. But we can always rejoice, can't we? There's a reality there. It's not always fun. I was reading some of that book that you gave me to give to them. You remember that book? Yeah. And it's, and it's Sister Wormbrand, you know, going through some of the things that she went through. And that, you know, I've, I've read about Corey Ten Boom and the things that she suffered it, uh, this was more extreme. Um, I don't know if you read about Corey Timboom, but the, what what uh, Sister Wormbrand went through is more extreme, certainly than than that. Do they? Well, 
when you're persecuted, not necessarily fun, but when you're persecuted, you can rejoice that you're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And we read that in Scripture where it was the Spirit that actually enabled them to rejoice that they had been, that they were counted worthy, right, to suffer for his name. And you now have proof that you belong to him. Yes, right, right. All those who live, what, godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, right? Let me borrow from Romans 15. We haven't got there yet. But verse 13 says this. Now the God of hope fill you. We want to be filled with the Spirit. The God of hope fill you with all joy. With all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through... Anybody go over there and read that for me? Go and go over and read that. Romans 15 verse 13. Through what? The end of that verse. What does it say? Now the God of all hope, all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through... End of verse number 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit... There you go. And that's why he went back and read it that way because mine puts it at the very end. His has got it kind of in the middle there. But it's by the power of... The Holy Ghost. Now, what is it by the power of the Holy Ghost? Being filled with joy. Being filled with peace. In what? In believing. I mean, the, 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 think about those times that you, have, that you have walked and rejoiced in the things of God and that you've, you've just been filled, overflowing, you know, with these things. This, this joy and peace in believing. How'd you get there? By the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I know you've all had those sorts of experiences. Do, do we walk there all the time? No. There, there's some times I, I wouldn't have known this about Sister Delina if she hadn't told me, but we, we know how she's normally just bubbling over, right? But she says, you know, I go to the other side of that pendulum too. She said, you probably don't want to be around me, you know, when I'm way over there, you know. But I'm, I'm thankful. I mean, we don't all express those things the way Sister Delina does. I'm thankful for Sister Delina that the Lord has her be that way because it's encouraging to me, you know. It, it, it kind of lifts me up a couple of notches sometimes, you know. I'm not saying it would do that all the time. Because I might be so far down there that it wouldn't, it didn't, you know, didn't seem like it did anything, you know. Um, but, but here, the power of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians five eighteen and nineteen, and be not drunk with wine wherein wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I, Rebecca, does your dad like you? You've been around me as you know, longer than in my other children. Does your dad like to whistle? No. What do I normally whistle? What am I, what am I whistling? Now, I'm not talking about a particular, but in general, what am I normally whistling? Hymns. 
And I'm whistling. I, I, my dad did that when I was a kid. And, and I would hear him <clears throat> whistle some of those hymns that we sang, you know, in, in, in church. And it made it, he didn't know it was making that impact upon me. Why was it making that impact upon me, Brother Jerry? It wasn't just because he was my dad doing that, or because it was my grandpa doing that, or because it was my best friend doing that, or because my wife was doing that. Why did that mean anything to me? Why did that strike a chord within me? It was because of the power and the operation of the Spirit of God within my life. Yeah, or I wouldn't have thought anything about it. He might have, I might have thought the opposite. He might have whistled to him and thought, well, I might have thought to myself, man, come on, Dad. You know, we hear those things enough in church. You've got to whistle them during the week too. I mean, that would have been the opposite, wouldn't it? That would be awful. But it was because of the power of the Spirit of God that meant something to me. It gave me hope. It encouraged me. The Lord planned it there, absolutely. You know, why am I, why am I whistling a hymn why am I not whistling the music that Donnie and I heard when we were in high school? You know? I mean, why, why am I not being fed by that? Why am I not finding whatever joy, you know, that I can find in that? Uh, why am I? Yeah, it's the Spirit of God. You know, it's the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written in him. Yes. Mm-hmm. How about how about that makes me think of you know that the disciples were told when you're brought before councils and you're questioned, you're grilled over these things, don't think about before and what you're going to say. To be given to you in that very hour, right? Where does that come from? It's the Spirit. You know, it's the Spirit. Romans five four and five and patience and experience and experience hope. These things were given and hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed and abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God. What's the first cause? God's love. For God so loved the world. You know, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, here we're being told God shed abroad his love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. What a joy to walk in the Spirit, right? We wouldn't have any joy if it weren't for the Spirit. First um, Corinthians 2, verse number 9. Hmm? 1 Corinthians 2, 9. As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. This righteousness, this peace, this joy is by his Spirit. God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep. How would we know the deep things of God? Searcheth the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. 
There is a spirit of the world, right? We've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God or of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. And they shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. How's that? Right here? Right here where we are. They shall no longer say unto the neighbor, No, you know, the Lord. They shall all know me from the least unto the greatest. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So what would these things be unto us if it were not for the Spirit of God? Foolishness. That's what it was to the Greeks, right? Yeah, foolishness, right? To them that perish, yeah, foolishness. That's what it would be. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Not humanly discerned. It's not by the mind. It's not because of my diploma. It's not because of my degree. It's not because of this or that. It's because of the Spirit of God. Not because of the things of man, but because of the Spirit of God. They're spiritually discerned. But he, he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Who hath known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. How is it that we have the mind of Christ? We have the Spirit. We have the Spirit. And the Lord said to the disciples in Matthew thirteen sixteen, Blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Why do your eyes see and your ears hear? It's because of the Spirit. Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right? Unto you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So is there within... Here's the question. Your brother JT said all that he said this morning, then he brought it to a question. I'll bring a question to you. Is there within a power... Because this spirit is a spirit of power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Is there within a power that assures of the righteousness of Christ as your only hope of salvation? It's the Spirit of God. And promotes a true desire. We're going to talk about righteousness. A true desire to be holy as he is holy. Is there a power within that promotes that? that calls you unto that, that leads you unto that? Is there a power within us that causes us to have joy unspeakable and full of glory? You know, is that in operation within you? The Spirit that calls us to prayer. How, how, how often would we pray? You know, we would have given up on prayer a long time ago, and we certainly wouldn't call it sweet hour of prayer. You know, calls us to prayer, calls us to love one another, to love God's word, to love keeping his commandments, that they not be grievous to us, but desirous to keep them, that we may please him, that we're concerned about pleasing him, that we care that he's our father. 
Is there a power that calls you to rejoice in all that Christ has done? There's joy. That all that Christ is doing and yet will do. He's coming. Isn't he, sister? He's coming. What Nehemiah 8 verse 10 say about the joy of the Lord? It is your strength. Yeah, it's your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Isaiah 12, 1 through 3 says this, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Can you see why Brother J.T. likes the book of Isaiah? (laughs) With joy, I'll draw water from the wells of salvation. Uh, that's, That's this that's springing up within our hearts. That's this work of the Spirit, you know, within us. How how would the disciples have been if the Lord had departed and the Comforter had not come? Where would we be apart from the Spirit of God abiding within us? As a Comforter, as a teacher and instructor. uh, Where would we be without this power and operation in our hearts and lives? Where would we be? Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Here, what have we been adorned with? What are we decked with? Oh, it's, it's the salvation of our God. It's the robes of his righteousness. And this is a reality unto us because of the Spirit of God who abides within us. If we're going to have peace, if we're going to have joy, it's going to be by way of the cross. By the way of the cross that the Spirit of God has made real and has caused us to understand and has given us hope in and, and has caused us to glory and rejoice even in that causes us at times I, I, there's a hymn that I've given you, you may know this one but I've given um, I don't remember if I gave it to Anna or Lydia to learn but um, lest I forget Gethsemane lest I forget thy love to me Lead me to Calvary. Yeah, what about those times where we've, where we've, maybe we're like David. You know, David had sinned with Bathsheba. Or like Peter, he denied the Lord three times. But here we've, we've committed this gross sin in the sight of God. How do you come back from that? How are you ever restored from that? Well, in Peter's case, the Lord says, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. What do you think was happening within Peter? It was the comforter. You know, it was the paraclete. You know, it was instruction, you know, in in righteousness that Peter, you know, was receiving. It was comfort that Peter was, lest I forget Gethsemane. Lead me 
to Calvary. Lord, when I find myself in that place where David found himself, when I find my place, myself in that place where Peter found himself, lead me to Calvary. When the devil's saying unto me, there's no way you could be a Christian. Look what you've done. Yeah, you have stepped in it now. You've messed up. It's all over for you. There's no hope for you. Where does hope come from? It comes from the Spirit. Where, how do you recover from that? The Spirit of God, certainly. How do we see that it is in Christ that we have righteousness, that it is in Christ that we have peace, that it's in Christ that we have joy? It's by His Spirit. That's all I got for you this morning. It's certainly not all there is in those, in those things. You know, I, I go throughout the week and I'm pulling this and that and putting this and that there, and and a lot of it make it, it gets to the cutting floor, and I, I don't have time for all. This. I can't go through all this. You know, uh, Lord, what what would you have me to bring? You know, so um, it's it's certainly not all that there is upon this subject, upon this righteousness and this peace and this joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not all that there is. Um, but hopefully there's somewhat there for you to, to think upon, somewhat there for you to meditate upon, somewhat there for you to be fed by, somewhat there for you to be instructed by, uh, somewhat there for you absolutely to rejoice in. Um, what a joy to walk in the Spirit. What a joy there is for us to walk in the Spirit um, how sorrowful we'd be if we did not have the Spirit. I, I, I know I said there are things that didn't make it. I've, I've got to go to this place, though. I've got to read one more thing to you. You know, we're talking about the Spirit and what, the work of the Spirit within, it, within us. What about Galatians 5.22, right? You know that place? You know Galatians 5.22? Anybody? Mm. The fruit of the Spirit. Right? Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit within, the Spirit abiding within us, the fruit of the Spirit is love. We, we saw that, didn't we? We, we? we saw that this love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The very next thing, you know, is the thing that we were kind of thinking upon a day a little bit. I didn't get a great deal into joy, but, but joy. And there's peace. We saw peace. There in our text, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. But we see, we see this fruit of the Spirit, right? We see that there. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, faith. You know, long-suffering. You know, how, how am I going to be long-suffering with my brother or sister? You know, it, it's going to be a fruit of the Spirit. How am I going to be patient? You know, uh, where does this joy come from? It's a fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, there's there so many other places that we could go. Uh, I think that's one that I just couldn't leave out um, as we think upon these things. But uh, and there's that phrase that Mom was using, you know, think upon these things. Um, so uh, there's, there's certainly others, but um, there, there's something of what Paul, I think, is saying unto us. It's not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy 
and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. All right. Well, let's let's stand and we'll go once again to the Lord in prayer and return thanks for the meal. I mean, you're probably tired of eating. You probably ate a lot, you know, and the things that have been brought today are the things that have been left over from Thanksgiving, which was nice because it gave the ladies kind of a break, you know, in having to fix something new. They were able to bring something that they'd labored over, you know, much during the week. Um, and we are thankful. I know it's the time of the year, that you know, Thanksgiving. Uh, okay, brother. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's something we ought to be all year long, right? Be thankful. I mean, our attitude ought to be one of gratitude, you know. That ought to be our attitude. We ought to be able to rejoice. Rejoice always, right? And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in yourself. Draw some buckets out of that well of salvation. Um, you know, the, and, and then think about, you know, from here to there, you know, the streams on earth I've tasted. Uh, we, the earnest of our inheritance, more deep I'll drink above. To an ocean's fullness we sing, uh, will I drink. So.